Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is the Distraction Pieces Podcast, episode 122, I want to say. Um, my name is Scroobius Pip. Thank you for tuning in, guys. First of all, dear Lord, what a beautiful reaction and, and general support of last week's podcast. Um, it means the world. It, I always ask for people to push, like, like when it's a charity one or, 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 or dealing with a, a heavy or taboo subject I always hope that you guys are going to get behind it and help get the word out there and spread it but I'm still always overwhelmed by quite the force with which you do act and push and tweet and get the word out there so thank you very much for that last week's if you missed it was uh, with Dignity in, in Dying a wonderful charity battling to give people with terminal illness in the UK the right to um, have a a dignified and peaceful death so yeah thank you for tuning in another thing i'm always overwhelmed with is the 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 velocity with which you support speech development records.com which is my record label i don't know if i should announce it i won't announce it yet but we've got a new release coming soon before the end of the year we're releasing a new artist and album that it's someone that's been on the podcast before and got a huge reaction and we kind of came up with it last minute, and I'll explain later, but it's very exciting. But for now, you can head there and get all your winter goods. You can get Screwiest Pit bubble hat. You can get Speech Development Records jacket. There's two different Screwiest Pit jumpers. We've got tons of Distraction Pieces merch. We've got three different T-shirt designs, four, or two different designs in four different colours. Uh, we've got mugs. We've got all sorts of stuff. You can get a, a team... F- a 3W Distraction Pieces podcast mug for your your winter warming drink. So yeah, head over to speechdevelopmentrecords.com and support everything there. Also a great place for Christmas gifts. We've got a lot of signed stuff, so you can get my DVD signed or either of my two books signed or my album signed on vinyl and loads of other bits of signed stuff from, from different people on the label and all sorts of stuff. And that's always, you know, a cool one for... Um, for Christmas gifts. So head over there and check that out. On to this week's guest. It's Jeff Lloyd, who I love and adore. This was a great chat, man. Um, he was quite... I've been trying to get Jeff on for ages, and he's a fan of the podcast, and he kept saying, look, I just don't think I'm going to be interested enough. Dear Lord, I think you guys are going to disagree, because it was was one of the most engaging and open conversations I've ever had. Um, and let him know that as well on Twitter. I make sure he knows, but um, it was a great episode. He was hugely open and honest. I need to tell you, though, that afterwards, when we stopped recording, he asked if I wanted to use his toilet. And his upstairs toilet, he was given, um, I think because of the radio show, this this Japanese toilet that cleans your bum, b- blow dries your bum. Um, you can change the angle and temperature of the water of the j- jet of air it sounded amazing i was it's the most gutted i've ever been that i don't i didn't need a poo so um, i didn't get to use it i thought it'd be weird to just go in and have a bit of a go on the jet because that's that's creepy he's he's like he's a wall a wall away from me it's a weird situation um but yeah if anyone wants to send me a special science future toilet i don't i don't need one to be completely honest i'm fine with my toilet but 
it was weird, man. I just wanted to share that with you. Anyway, let's get on with the podcast. Um, in fact, I'll mention now in case you don't get to the outro, because sometimes I know that you'll hear the interview and then you'll, you'll jog on the outro. I get that. Next week, I've got Ian Lee. Now, a lot of you have been after this for a long time, um, and it truly lives up to expectation. It was an amazing chat. And me and Ian only met a few weeks back, and I just feel a great great connection with him I've, I've been a fan of him for years but i went on ian's show on talk on talk radio which is available as a as a podcast so i recommend you check that out yeah i went on there a, a, a few a, a month or so ago now so if you, if you want to go and do some pre-search it's like research but pre pre-search ahead of next week's episode then go and do that and check that out it's available online but yeah ian lee's fantastic it's a great chat so that'll be next week but for now enjoy the wonder that is jeff lloyd on the distraction pieces podcast I have to warn the the sound man that I use a mic properly because most spoken word artists, it's, it's yeah yeah, hand, it's waving around the room, and I'm because of of, of rapping and not wanting to get feedback and get everything clear. I, I, it's glued to my top lip. You look the like one time. of those old, um, you know, the old boxing commentators yeah, of it. Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. I like that. So I'm really used to that. But then equally, because I'm not a cool American rapper, I I like the. The first time we had B. Dolan, two of us, he got annoyed with our sound man because our sound man kept going, right, you're cupping the mic. That's causing feedback, it's bad. But again, that's generally, that's a rap way of holding yeah, the mic. Yeah, yeah. You proper hold it, you have it twisted around your arm. And yeah, it's, it's, it's an odd one. But yeah, I've, I've, if, if nothing else in my career, I'll, I'll, I'll be remembered <laughs> by a sound man for always having impeccable mic control <laughs> and, and mic skills. Um, I've started... A recording in that cool way that podcasters uh, yeah, do. Yeah. Just mid because we're not the system and we're not the man, we can just start at any point. It's so wild and crazy. I think if if I did that, there'd just be this excruciating small talk. Because you, I, I always like worry about saving it for the interview. So yeah. if somebody comes in, you know, you just want to get a bit of level and then and then get going. Because what if they say something great before you start Com- recording? Completely. And 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 when I've been on 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 your sh- show before, absolute and stuff like that, it's kind of. That's how it's like. You should have. Here's the area you, you, you're going to wait, and because it's live as well, you'll generally just get me in just before we're going to go to air. Yeah, that's the way. It's the, yeah, that's logical because then there isn't that kind of. Oh, actually, I've done this as long yeah. as we, as long as everyone's comfortable and knows what's going on. I should introduce. I'm joined by Jeff Lloyd. How Hello. are you, sir? I'm, and I'm your well. dog, Lyka. Hey, Lyka. Hello, hey, Lyka. She's uh, she's desperate for attention. You came in and she made <laughs> she, such a fuss of yeah. you. She yeah. did. I was disappointed um, that you declined my offer of a grilled cheese sandwich. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I turned it down. I mean, now you've, I mean, in in again, we started talking before I was, was set up and we were discussing food trucks and you e- expressed a, 
a, a love and almost a worldly experience of good grilled ch- cheese sandwiches. I, do, so, I feel pretentious I'm more, calling it grilled cheese, though, because yeah. it's really cheese on toast or a cheese toasty. Yeah, yeah. But there's this Americanization in recent years where they call it grilled cheese, which I don't care that much about Americanizations. And, and in my defence, my brother-in-law, my wife's American, my brother-in-law runs a food truck in Chicago. Yeah. So, you know, most of my experience of grilled cheese yeah. comes from that. But anyway, do you ever go to Borough Market in London? Um, I've, yeah, I've been a few times. So there's yeah. this one grilled cheese or cheese on toast store, whatever you want to call it, <laughs> and the queues are insane, really, like, really insane. And um, and and it's it's worth it. It's one of those rare occasions where the it's worth the wait. So I've been eating these toasties whenever I was down there, like over the years. And then I went online and did some deep googling, and I found the, the recipe. Technique. And it's like three oh, really? different types of cheese and spring onions and uh, red onion, white onion. So. It's Desperate to make you one of those, not because I wanted to show off that I could make the sandwich, but because just then it would give the best grilled. But no, because then it, then I would be able to eat one because yeah. it would feel sort of <laughs> like the amount of effort involved and the guilt yeah. would be too much for me to make it for lunch on a, a Friday, which is what this is. It's, it's, it's weird, isn't it? How how much Americanization we have over it and I'm not against it because most of it is food that is really my kind of thing it'll be meats and barbecue stuff and stuff like that that we get crazy for and it's all quite simple but the grilled cheese is a weird one I remember the first time I was doing a lot of gigs in America and we didn't again over here a cheese toasty isn't and something you get excited about. No, there's nothing gourmet about it but over there it's like oh they do the the best grilled cheese in the world it's like the best (laughs) so they they do the best they said cheese on toast yeah and it's, I don't know if I just bought into it because of the of the setup, but I was finding myself, I'd go into place and go, yeah, I'm going to have a grilled cheese. <laughs> I shouldn't be looking forward to a grilled cheese. I should no, be thinking no. there should be something else. Yeah, but yeah. It's weird. So I, I like that that's now something that's coming over here. But, and, you, but, you but again, five, ten years ago, if you'd said, there's this place, queues round the, the block for their toasted cheese sandwiches, you'd go, oh, no. no, mate. Just, oh, no. <laughs> Just get a Breville. Uh, but but you wouldn't have it because you're really disciplined about what you eat during the week. I am in the week, yeah. I, I, and I, I tried to persuade to... you, because today's a Friday, I tried to persuade you that I, Friday's a weekend, I but you're having really none of it. I embarrassed about this kind of stuff, because I, I, I mean, we discussed it briefly when I was on your sh- show last, in fact, which came out as a podcast as well, if anyone right, wants yeah. to go and listen to that as well. Um, I've, I've, I've got into my fitness in the last year, or, or since the beginning of this year, and one of the things that... It's a, it's, it's a really interesting thing because my mate Amy was saying the other day how strong my willpower is, that I, 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 I won't eat chocolate or particularly cheese and stuff like that. Like anything particularly unhealthy in yeah. the week, I generally won't, unless there's a birthday or something like that, which yeah. my mum's birthday was the other day and I picked out like crazy. But um, in general, it's that. But it's, it's not discipline. It's genuinely, I think it takes four to five weeks to change habit. Right. So I don't have that craving. Like, it, it, it's not... I always feel awkward at, at saying to people, oh, no, I don't... I don't eat... Because I, yeah, I hate yeah. people who are really always pushing, oh, I'm healthy, I do this, yeah, I do yeah, that. Yeah. It's like, cool, man. So it's only if I'm asked. Right, because... So, yeah, it is that. It's, 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 it's habit forming. And at the weekend... I'm all over. I'll yeah. be having pizza and ice cream and all sorts of stuff. But I'm, I'm all I over. don't have that craving anymore in the week because... That's again, amazing. That... Originally, I would, yeah. but I, I genuinely think it's... It's habit forming. It's exactly the same that if you have to get up six or seven o'clock every day for work in the week, you'll kind of start to naturally wake up at that time. But that won't mean you naturally wake up at that time on Saturday and Sunday. You'll still, you'll you'll naturally, your body will go, it's the weekend, I can sleep in later. And things like that, I genuinely think 
our, our minds and bodies are weird things. And That's you can amazing because I'm, I'm an alcoholic. I've not had a drink since 2001. Yeah. And, um, so I'm not meaning to, t- to suggest you'll be fine having drinks <laughs> <laughs> a weekend. Yeah, well, this, is, this is it because so, so I, I didn't do AA or anything like that. And, I, you know, like with 16 years of hindsight or whatever it is, I wish yeah. I, wish I had. But um, like I, I, the, the reason I found it easy or the reason I was I didn't find it particularly easy it could took me a few goes but the, the reason I think I can do it is because it's binary it's either on or off yeah. so what would be really difficult for me would be to go out for a meal and have three glasses of wine yeah yeah um so it feels really counterintuitive that you would be able to not do something during the week and then binge on a weekend but again it's 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 your approach and look at it I, I can still look at it as a binary approach because I can look at it as I haven't had chocolate in the week yeah for the this amount of time, yeah, I, so yeah. it's still on or off. It's still it's it's off on the week. I, uh, uh, do you know what I mean? So it's yeah. still looking at that, and I think anything like that. It's why, whilst I moan about it, I don't think it's a bad thing if you need to tell people all the time about the exercise you're doing or how long it's been since you last had a cigarette or whatever else, because that can be a great motivating factor. The fact that that you can post on Twitter again. That you've gone for another run again. Yeah, that kind of yeah, stuff yeah, kills yeah, yeah. me. It's, it's not. It's not my way. But I also know that can be enough to motivate you to, to do it. So I've never, I have the motivation anyway to do it. But if you don't, I can understand how getting to post saying at the gym again to show how disciplined you are. Do you know yeah. what I mean? I can understand yeah, with, that. As with part you, of like, what is your motivation? Because you're tall. What are you like six two? Yeah, I'm six four. Right, six. So you're never going to get fat unless you really, you know, let yourself I mean, go. It's, it's it's surprising. I can I can put on weight. I can get fat and 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 podgy. And it, it's a weird one because there's a lot of me. So I do start to put. I'm big anyway, as such. Right. I'm kind of tall and skinny, but I'm big anyway. But it's purely just for, for, for my own in, enjoyment of health. Right. Um, I've never I've never had that. You know the thing where people say, oh, "If you exercise, you feel good," and people say, "You know, exercise is like an antidepressant." It, for I, me, it I, just feels like I want to die every time I, I do mean, any exercise. I, I think a lot of people who say that are, are, are masking the truth <laughs> behind it. I think as humans, we all naturally have a, le- a level of, of 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 egocentricness, and the fact is, I'm I'm never out out and about with my top off or, or posting right. pictures on Instagram or workout. But yeah. if in the morning I walk past the, the mirror and I think, oh, I'm in good shape at the moment, it's positive. It so you're, you're saying you. that in your house completely. the mirrors aren't all covered up then? No, no, no. can't imagine no, what that would be like. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, that's it. I, it's weird. I have got a f- kind of a phobia of, of mirrors, but only if they're not in the right place. I've got. I've so got you don't like to bathroom. be caught unaware. Yeah, I've got mirrors in the bathroom. I hate it if I'm at a bar and there's a mirror, or I'm in a, a venue or hotel or sitting somewhere. I struggle to, to relax if I know out the corner of my eye I can see my, my reflection of and myself. Is that because become... the idea you've got of yourself in your head is different. You see it in a mirror and you say, "Oh God, that's what I look like." After all, I guess. Yeah, I guess it's a thing of of of, of having to be somehow self-aware. Um, I've also got a weird kind of a, a selfie phobia which sh- 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 shocks people because i take selfies for every podcast yeah, yeah. But again it's work it's a different thing in in general you, you if you go on my social media any pictures i post are from photo shoots or from you know a, a specific things i'm i'm weird about just pictures of myself for no reason and it's why 
a lot of people again will laugh and joke that in because at gigs I'll always man the merch and I have photos as, as long as you want yeah. people often say I look like a cardboard cutout because I pull the exact <laughs> same face in every photo right yeah yeah and yeah. that's part of a coping thing for yes. it it's that worry of if I'm trying to look cool every time 90% of the time I won't be happy with how I look whereas yeah. if the, the, the face I always go for is a shocked look which shocked incidentally is wide eyed which removes a, 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 the risk of blinking and looking a, a right. weird or or deformed in the photo. So yeah, I have this standard sh- shock look I go through. And it's again, it's a defence mechanism so in ways of feel, going... How do you feel? Because I've had friends who do your job, like musicians, and I've met people like with successful careers, and you know, the stage where maybe you're playing a venue the size yeah. of the Hammersmith Apollo or whatever, yeah. who after a gig when you expect, oh, they're going to be at some after-show party, they're at home untagging photos of themselves on Facebook that fans have put up there because they don't look flattering. I'm, 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 I'm not in that a realm. I'm, I'm fine with all that. I think live is live. Oh, I, I, I really enjoy being on stage and performing and doing the gig. So and you don't mind that being like, captured in perpetuity? No, no. Again, it's, it's, uh, I'm not under the illusion that I'm going to look perfect in any picture. So it's kind of fine in that respect. But I am one that... I will be after the gig in my hotel room quite early and either doing my accounts or right. or rewarding myself with... Um, when I used to... Like, I don't... I hardly drink in general these days, not through any great issue or problem, but it just it stopped appealing. But it used to be that I'd often be in my hotel room with um, a glass of rosé and a bath um, after a gig, which is... <laughs> Lighting a candle. So rock and roll. <laughs> um, but, but yeah, more often... Either not as well, but, but because I've always run my own merch and all that. Yeah. I'll be in my hotel room, I'll be cashing up, I'll be I'll be planning the next day and figuring mm. things out and not... It's interesting, not because it sort of breaks some of the... Because what, what you do for a job in some way adheres to the rules of theatrics. Yeah. But that that breaks the rule. If you're there at a table taking money off people afterwards, yeah. that's that's kind of... I like it, though. I like the, the, the... I like the break in that. I always remember... and. It's amazing he's on my label now and a good friend now, but I always remember the first time I went to see Sage Francis and he was about before the gig and, mm. and running the merch after the gig. It was like, oh, wow. It's, 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 it's one of the things that inspired me to do what I do because it's like, oh, right, he's just a human. Yeah. And it's, 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 the, it's the story behind the Just A Band section in Thou Shout. The yeah. point of that is to say these are just individuals, these are just, just regular people. Yeah. And whilst a lot of people felt that was insulting bands... It's not. It's meant more as an an inspirational and aspirational thing to say. Look, that could be you. They're, yeah. just, they're just like there's there's millions of bands. They're one that it happened to click. Yeah. And here they are now. That could be anyone. And and that was exactly it. So that's yeah. I I, I like that. The one time I've stayed off of it was the first time we sold out Coco, and it's a beautiful v- 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 venue. And I was like, and normally I'll, I'll, I'll watch all the support acts and things like that. But right. for that one, I was like. I want the first time anyone who's here tonight to see me. You wanted to feel it I go want mental. Them to, yeah. Yeah. Be when I walk on stage. Not, I'm standing there and then, oh, I'd best get off. Yeah. And then you dart off. I, I wanted that to be that, that special thing. So. so I heard that as a technique for people who are nervous about public speaking. Yeah. That a good thing to do is go out and be amongst the yeah. people who are going to be watching yeah. because then it humanizes them. Yeah. You don't just see them as like one homogenous yeah. group of it, scary. It takes a bit of the pressure off because, yeah. as weird as it is, you're not m- meeting all of them at once 
for the first time that evening. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Although it's odd, you've chatted to him. It's all, there's a few you've already introduced yourself to and, and you know that they're on board and they're not evil or horrible or they're to, to throw things at you. Yeah. Um, I get terrified. Yeah. Like I, I, Because my job is radio and um, I'm in a studio, really, most yeah. of the time with, with people I've known for a long time. If I ever have to do something on a stage, be it introduce a band or mm. speak at a conference or, you know, do a speech at a, a wedding or something, I get myself sick it's with It's weird because people will assume, look at, look, look at Laika giving me a little nudge to stroke him. I stop stroking her she would She would just like, oh, she, stop, uh, stop sorry, stroking yeah. her and she'll pour like, out you. Me. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's weird because people would assume that because of your job, I'm mm. sure your friends or whoever else will think it'll be great to do a speech here or do yeah. that. And I'm the same. It's 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 so specific. It's like I'm I'm you're one of the reasons I think we instantly got on on air and and have had numerous relaxed interactions is you're incredibly at home and comfortable there. It's, mm. it's somewhere where it's all okay. You're completely in control. I don't get the feeling of any nerves in that situation, but. It's very specific. Yeah, I'm nervous in pretty much every other situation, yeah, yeah. like social interactions, everything. I get such anxiety. I, 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 generally, any time I hear anyone close to me is getting married, mm. I have a bit of dread that they're going to ask me to be their best man. Have you ever, have you ever done it? No, I haven't, thankfully. I did it once and no exaggeration. Do you have that thing where you will remember something you did 15 years ago and you'll get a pang of anxiety yeah, and straight yeah, back yeah, your yeah, life? Yeah. I'm a dick, I'm a dick, I'm an awful yeah. person. I, I did a best man speech five, six years ago, and I d- I'm so traumatised by it that I couldn't tell you what I said really? yeah. or how it went. Yeah. But probably once or twice a week, I'll just be walking along the street and I'll go, oh, God, why, did, why, did I, why didn't I yeah. think that through better? And, and I can't even bring it up with my best friend whose wedding it was because <laughs> I feel such shame that I did a bad job of it. Have you ever, I mean, you've won... N- numerous radio awards. Yeah. Wanna, have you ever prepared a, no, a speech so, or anything? No, and it's a, it's a funny one when, when you get nominated for an award because like, there's this elate, well, for me anyway, yeah. like I feel elation that I've been nominated yeah. for an award yeah. and then I feel abject terror at the thought of having to go up and collect an award. Yeah. I just get so nervous. And um, I'm, I'm quite fortunate in that I've been nominated for far more awards than I've won. Yeah, yeah. So I've not so been in that, that situation very often. You get, the elation and then yeah. the, and then the relief. I was I was, I was on um, I was talking to Ian Lee a while ago, who's going to be on the podcast uh, He's next great, week. Isn't I think. He? Yeah, and and I was saying to him, he mentioned the one time I won a, a rage award, and I was saying, yeah, I hadn't prepared anything, and he was like. Oh no, that was very clear. <laughs> did he say that to you? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but in a nice way because yeah. I did. I got up there just excited, and I think being who I am, I swore quite a bit in an excited manner, and I didn't yeah. mean it to be offensive. I was just like, "This is fucking crazy. This is nuts." And I, I, I remember I raved about David Rodigan, Zane Lowe, and Eddie Temple Morris. Yeah, because they were all in the room and all and mm. helped me get, or either were in the same category or had given me some guidance in some way. And I was like, "Amazing." And yeah, the, I then um, people I went, will have, people will have loved that though because it's so rare actually for somebody to go up and actually, receive an yeah. award and and and, and care Genuinely and care. name check their peers because again, there's like such a weird kind of bitchiness it's a similar and rivalry. One. It's a similar one where I I have that same shame as you were saying like when thinking of that because I went up there with my producer Dan Rido who is at least fifty percent of the, sh- the show that we did. I had no experience in radio, so right. he really was a god. And I in my head. Obviously, he was going to get to talk as well. That's not how it went. So the one person I didn't thank... 
was the guy that's fi- at least 50% of the show. He, he never <laughs> speaks, but he does all the work. And yeah, yeah. I just had this rambling thing about how much I love all these different people in the industry. And then we walked off and <laughs> the per- the, uh, Chris at XFM, when I came off, the first thing he said was, you, you realise he didn't mention Dan? And I was like... But there's there's always gonna be there's always gonna be yeah. somebody you forget it's unless just, you're one of these people who gets on the laundry list. That they're gonna be stood right next to you <laughs> as, 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 as you forget them. But it's, it's weird because at the live um, podcast at Leicester Square, he came along, and I was really adamant he came along, and I I got him up on stage for a bit of a chat because I was like, and I I, I apologised in that situation because I was like, like, like look, there's people here as well. Yeah, it still plays on my mind, but. Because again, a lot of the people who got into distraction pieces were into the beatdown, which was our radio right. show. So it's like, yeah, that was. So, so, so let's get back to you. Um, <laughs> what, I'm, I'm, I tend to always divert in a conversation. I will always ask questions because I, I completely can feel uncomfortable talking um, but, about myself. I mean, I one of the things I, I, I often jump about a, a bit with timelines. So I do want to talk about how you got into radio. I want to talk about when you were gr- gr- growing up, if, if radio appealed, if music was... Because you, you, from what I know of you, you're hugely fanatic about areas of music. And um, I want to talk about all of that. But, but before we get to that, I want to talk about exactly what you've just said there. Um, one of the things I think you've always stood out on radio at is, is interviewing people and, and interviewing guests. And you've had some amazing interviews over the year. And, it is a very specific and, and different skill. There's there's two different like pre- presenting a, a radio show is one thing, and interviewing a guest is another thing, and they're not necessarily mutually um, exclusive, or they can be mutually exclusive. But an example I was thinking of this morning is is Chris Miles, and some love him, some hate him. Right, undeniable. He's very successful at presenting a show. Yeah. Like he can talk for hours. Yeah, yeah. His audience love it. And again, I don't want to get into any debates on if he's sexist or homophobic or sure. any of the things he said. Because again, there's, I support either side of that argument. Or, or, or maybe the side that's against him a bit more. But it's, it's similar to, I've said before, that um, I think, and it angers people, I think Tony Blair is one of the best politicians that Britain's ever had. Now, I think he's a horrible human. Yeah. I think he did horrible things, but I think on the pure, as a politician, he was incredibly skilled yeah, 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 yeah. at politics so, and as a politician. It, it doesn't mean I'm and, endorsing and him as a human. And also as a communicator. So in the run-up to the referendum, I was watching Andrew Mara, one of those shows, and they had him on, and he spoke so clearly. Yeah. And you thought, if you hadn't completely destroyed your own reputation yeah. and been responsible for atrocities, like, you could have swung that re- yeah. referendum. It, it, You're it was... communicating this in one interview better than any of the, yeah. the speeches Again, or debates from, I've heard. From his, or, or for his whole career, his, his public speaking was impeccable, as similar to Obama in, 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 in that way. Particularly in the UK, we hadn't had anyone in a long time that was in any way engaging. So no. we suddenly had this charismatic, engaging guy. He was also, again, from a political point of view, he was good at playing, playing the sides. We don't live in a country where you can go, we're in, here's how it's all going to be. You yeah. have to play the sides and win concede certain battles and all this so i think as a politician he was great again i think as a human there's a possibility he's the devil um but <laughs> but but as a, and, and again that that's now a very damning comparison to chris moles but yes yeah, so, <laughs> so back to chris moles as a presenter yeah he's amazing he can mm. speak for hours and hours it's 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 always up there's no lulls as an interviewer i don't know mm. i don't remember the classic 
of Chris Moyle's interviews. Because he's such a big character, he, I would assume he struggles to step back and allow someone else into the limelight, which is what I think you're amazing at and what is key to interviewing in many yeah, ways. I feel like actually... So I've interviewed people for years and years, yeah. going back to when I was on local radio in Manchester. And I used to think it should be like... Um, you know, a bit of a song and dance. Okay, what can we get the guest doing? You know, what, yeah. what, what crazy, wacky thing yeah, can we yeah, do with yeah, the guest? Yeah. And then a, a, a few years ago, um, not that long ago, probably since listening to podcasts more and more, I'm yeah. really interested in these long form interviews. And so I just like, I'd like listen to you a little bit or listen to Howard Stern yeah. in the States and how they do it. And it, it's just really engaging to me hearing somebody get someone to open up yeah yeah so i've just i've been trying to get better at that like yeah. I, I think i'm getting better at it i don't yeah, but or, i've had lots of amazing people on and oh, definitely um, what kind of, of 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 highlights spring to mind of are there any is is there a point where you kind of thought right i'm getting it now like a particular guest or anyone that's opened up in a particular way right yeah um I don't know, actually, this isn't a great example of that, but, like, every now and again you'll get an interview that that seems to make a, make a difference yeah. in terms of how people are listening to it. So when I was on local radio in Manchester, we had George Michael on after he'd oh, not wow. been on for years, and he yeah. came on and he had, like, this really great sense of humour. After he'd gone away in the 90s and yeah. said, I'm not going to do pop videos yeah, anymore, yeah, yeah, he came yeah. on and he had, a, like, this really good sense of humour, and then all of a sudden, like, around town in Manchester, people were talking about it, and oh, wow. the Manchester News reporting it, and that seemed to make a difference. So every yeah. now and again, you'll get one like that, and um, the recent one was the Ed Miller Band. Yeah, yeah, and that one. got a lot of, of press and coverage, Yeah, people saying it was, yeah. It was, it was and, and at the time... Because um, I'd, I'd I'd seen Ed Miliband speak, I'd go to some of the like Fabian Society events, yeah. and I found him really warm at those events. And then when you saw him on the TV, he wasn't coming across in the same yeah. way. So I just thought, I wonder if you can kind of get him to be in an interview context yeah. like he is when he's just sort of answering questions from people in the room at those yeah, things. Yeah. So just sort of, that that was one. And, and then the people at the radio station tell me that in terms of the publicity got they got for that if they'd spent that much on advertising in the press it would have cost them three quarters of a million pounds it's insane, isn't yeah it? but it was funny at the time because you know i did it and i thought that went quite well and then it went out on the radio and nobody really paid very much attention to it yeah and then they video all the you know those big interviews yeah, these yeah. days like the one we did with you a while yeah, ago that's yeah. on youtube and and that went nuts and people like the independent and BuzzFeed and all these people were tweeting it and doing articles about it saying mm. this is the interview that could mean Ed Miliband is our next Prime Minister yeah. finally yeah. and so I got carried away at the time and I'm thinking oh maybe maybe I'll get a seat in the House of Lords <laughs> and, um, <laughs> and then on election night I was just as disappointed as everyone else if not Didn't more so yeah, yeah 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 um, so so you've been in in, in Radio L a long time and, and and how have you seen it kind of adapting and adjusting in recent years because that's a great example of how the mm. filmed interviews because of sharing it on social media on facebook and all these kind of things that's where things are going to laugh a bit it's not quite in the same place it used to be of right we've got ed Miliband on on friday let's have a look at what impact yeah the, that's had by saturday so yeah right, and that's, it can be, that's it not can necessarily be, the case because no. people are so i don't think there's as much of a nature of tuning every no, day at a certain so. time and so on and, and so And it's forth. depressing as well. Like, I, 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 I've kind of removed myself from it a yeah. bit in terms of, you know, the way things work within the radio station. But there's a lot of... You'll have a really good guest on and they're not interested in 
how good that interview is. Yeah. They're interested in, you know, can you ask them about uh, the X Factor? Can you ask them about Jeremy Corbyn? Yeah. So that then they'll be able to spin that out into PR, little, you know. like so, snippet. Yeah, like, then, I don't yeah. know what they think, you know, what good they think it's going to do. Like, somebody's going to be reading The Sun and so, 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 yeah. uh, Scribius Pip, speaking in an interview with Absolute Radio, said that he thinks Jeremy Corbyn's front garden's fine. Yeah. Like, and, th- and what do they think? That people are going to see that tiny snippet and think, oh, I'll, I'll tune into Absolute Radio. Yeah. from now on. Yeah, it's... Um, it is a weird one, isn't it? Because, yeah, as soon as you make that s- snippet, it becomes... Uh, an, an entity of its own in many ways. Like that snippet is no longer attached to the radio station yeah, or to it, the show. It, it, you know? it cheapens what an interview is. Yeah. So I don't want to get people in really and, and feel as if I'm tricking them into saying something yeah. that the radio yeah. station will be able to get publicity yeah. out of. So as I say, I've kind of um, extracted myself from that side of things a bit. And I just do these long interviews now where yeah. I'm just sort of it's a combination of like thinking, okay, what am I interested in knowing about this person? What a people sort of more, more widely interested in knowing about this person and what is this person not sick of being asked yeah. because you know you do you do interviews and you're asked the same questions all the time so you sort of think and it's maybe a combination of neediness on my part because I want to be liked by the guest yeah, yeah and 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 also just trying to make it a more pleasant experience for the guest by thinking okay what what don't they get asked about and I think that gets the the, the best interviews as, as well if you're not I think if you work for the BBC, maybe, because it's a public service, you've got yeah. a responsibility to ask certain questions. If you don't, then you can ask what the fuck you want. Yeah. And particularly if it's, again, if it's a guest that you're... On 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 these, I've never had a thought that I'm going to try and catch someone out yeah. or try and ask them this awkward or tough question. Yeah. Um, I've, I've been discussing for a while with... I'm, I'm sure he, he won't mind me saying, I've, I've been discussing with, uh, with Edgar Wright to come on. Right. He was saying, look, I don't want to come on right now because... I." I don't want to talk about all the Marvel stuff because right. obviously he was on a Marvel film. Yeah, and he yeah, wasn't. Yeah. Or is, is like, I don't want to talk about. And I kind of had to say, it's like, well, we won't then. Yeah, it's like it's, it's not that kind of thing. Like it doesn't have to be. No. Well, well, I've, I've here's, it, here's the question I'd happily address at the start. Look, let's not bother. Like, because yeah. if, if you don't mention it, then people are going to argue. But I'd happily just go. Look, we're not going to talk about Marvel. Yeah. <laughs> you know. So. Yeah. How's this going? How's yeah. this and how's that? I, I just want to get it. With that type if that of loses interview, listeners, then cool. I just okay. want to hear what type of person that is. And surprisingly, yeah. like when you came on, you started talking about having been on a chocolatier course. Yeah. Like yeah. the other stuff about <laughs> about your records or whatever, I can yeah. go on Wikipedia and yeah. learn that. Yeah, exactly. But that's, that's not going to crop out that. It's not going to crop up that this particular, the, the reason American chocolate tastes like vomit is because it's got this particular thing in it that yep. you learned about on a chocolate course. Yeah, 100%. That's far more interesting to me. It's good facts and yeah. good interesting. It's, it's, it's weird because on a podcast though, you do have to find the, the balance as well. I always remember um, Maynard, um, a Maynard J. Keenan from, um, from Tool uh, was on Joe Rogan's podcast and he doesn't do a lot of interviews. Right. And a lot of people were excited about that. And the whole interview was about... Um, it was, it, it, he's either got a, a vineyard or, 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 or a coffee-growing thing, and he just talked constantly about it. And it was great. Yeah. I loved it, because yeah. I'm not... not that, I don't know that much about him anyway. Yeah. It's not like I'm like, oh, I need to hear the stories. But I guarantee there was an awful lot... Because he's someone who people are fanatic about. Yeah. There was an awful lot of fans tuning in going... 10 minutes in going, all right, well, can we... Are we going to get onto music now? Nope, nope. Right, we're just talking about <laughs> beans and seeds and. And I think fruit. that's fine. And you, also, you're not going to please everybody. I remember the first no. time we had McCartney on the program. I mean, I'm so yeah. excited because I'm such a fan, and and uh, 
we did this interview which was really silly and it showed what a good sense of humour he has and yeah. how, you know, he's maybe a bit different to how people perceive him. Yeah. And, uh, and then after the interview, I was really pleased with it. And then after it aired, I looked at the email box in the studio and it said, what a waste of an opportunity. And I think, wow. well, yeah, I, I mean, what, there's too much to ask him. And also, yeah. like, every now and again, somebody like that will be interviewed. And it happened earlier this year with him that he did some big BBC, the McCartney master tapes thing. Yeah. And all the newspapers are reporting. Uh, Paul McCartney says he had a breakdown when the Beatles were splitting up. He said he didn't. He went to Scotland and he drank whiskey and he grew a beard and he didn't get out of bed. And I thought, why is that being reported as news? Like, so, Because yeah. as a fan, like every book I've read on the Beatles, and I've yeah. read like dozens if not hundreds, that's in it. Like, Why, yeah. why is that news? Yeah. That's, yeah. that's not news to me. Yeah. yeah, it's been said on camera yeah. in this situation. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it, it is a weird thing, isn't it? And have there have there been any interviews where you were particularly nervous beforehand? Because McCartney was, is one that springs to mind. Knowing how much of a Beatles fan yeah. you are, how was that? The, the first time, um, it was when I first started at Absolute used to be Virgin Radio. Yeah. And I used to do a show with a guy called Pete, who I used to do local radio with in yeah. Manchester. And um, The Pete and Jeff show. That's right, yeah. Legendary. Yeah, yeah. And uh, we... It's back when Chris Evans owned the radio station. Yeah. So, so I'd grown up in Manchester listening to Chris Evans on local radio, and then he'd hired us to come down here. Yeah. And so that was, you know, I was giddy because of that. And also, it was like this weird time, like turn of millennium, and he was this guy on the front of the papers every day, and there was this huge drinking culture. Yeah. And I was yeah. just sort of drunk all the time, you know. Oh, wow. yeah, yeah, which you know, at the time felt like fun. Now I'm a bit sort of embarrassed about it already. It's a, but... it's a, a, a funny one because there was certainly a period where drinking culture and just the social even not acceptability of it the social lording of it was it was at an absolute peak and it was the time when chris evans and danny yeah. baker and gaza and these were the look yeah. at these lads aren't they yeah, yeah, yeah. it's weird now that you think that someone it could genuinely be you'd be worrying about the pr if you're seeing the yeah, diagnosis somewhere drunk yeah. it's like at that point that was the goal, pretty yeah. much. And, and like an email, so he owned Virgin Radio and Ginger Media who made TFI Friday and all yeah. this stuff and we're all in this building in Golden Square and like an email would go around at half eleven in the morning from Chris's PA saying, oh, Chris has bought a new shirt and wants to celebrate everyone to the pub. And then you go to the pub and his credit card would be behind the bar and that would be it for the rest of the day and we used to come on the wow. radio at like seven o'clock at night so I'd be slurring my words and so on. So anyway, oh, the reason, wow. reason I mentioned that is like, so it had been one of those days and um, I was at home I used to live in Bayswater in London and um, I was kind of a bit hungover and I didn't have a mobile phone at the time. Yeah. And I just, you know, had a, a landline rigged up to an answer phone. I never used to answer it because I'm just always scared it's going to be a bailiff or the bank yeah. or something yeah. terrible. Yeah. Um, and a, a message came on the answer phone. Oh, um, we've, we've had a, from work, from radio station, yeah. we've had a call in, um, you, we, you can interview Paul McCartney this afternoon, you need to go to his offices in Soho Square. So I get so giddy, I think, oh my God, you know, after all this time yeah. of being this huge Beatles fan. Kind of out of the, bl- out the It was, the it was as completely well, like out of the blue. In a good way, because yeah. I guess there's no time to get Yeah, exactly, it's like, yeah, just a few hours. It's like, okay, just go. And the closest I've been up to that point, um, <laughs> I'd been to... So when I lived in Manchester, like um, I'd done a little bit of work on a TV show up there, and then got to know friends who worked on TV. So we would just go to recordings of TV shows for for the free booze. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah and yeah. Um, I think I'd gone to. I think it was a recording of a 
an awful quiz show called That Show Business with Mike Smith. Right, Who used to be Noel Noel Edmonds' sidekick. Yeah. And Paul McCartney's brother, Mike McGear, was one of the guests on it. And at that point, you know, just meeting Mike McGear in the green room. Oh, my God, I'm one step away from a Beatle. And Mike's gone giddy because of that. So so anyway, like like two, three years later, and I'm in in London, I get this call, I'm in my flat, and so you've got to go interview Paul McCartney this this afternoon. So I think, all right, I I better go out. I need need to go out, sit somewhere, have a sandwich, have a cup of coffee, think about what I'm going to do and I went to the door of my flat and it was locked yeah and I couldn't get out and I realized that I'd come home drunk the night before I'd put the keys in the door and somehow closed it behind me but um, the keys were still in the door right. and there was no way out like there was no the windows all had bars on them <laughs> This is awful. Yeah, and I'm thinking, I'm going to miss out on interviewing a Beatle here. So I had to ring work and one of the kind of runners or whatever you call them had to come round and pass me my keys, uh, unlock the door and then pass me my keys so that I could get out of the house. So we went. So Because all this had gone on, like there'd been all this palaver. I'd not really had any time to think about it before Mm. I interviewed him, which was probably the best way. And, um, you know, we went in and he'd done a rock and roll covers album at the time. It wasn't long after Linda had died and I think it was like catharsis for him going back yeah. to this music that they'd loved um and he was he was just just great really funny and playful yeah. with us and you know like i was saying before about not asking people what they've always been asked yeah, yeah. if you sort of if, if you if you without seeming too wacky if you can come out of a account out of the blue with them they really enjoy it because you know they've spent a whole day as, answering these same old questions you'll be stunned at how much of a a fine talent that is though because again right. it's, very, it's very easy to go I'm going to be a bit out of the blue but then you end up being wacky yeah it's just like yeah I've got no answer for yeah that. just just, just this is why I think like it's so, weird because because having done like when you have a, a load of interviews in a row or if you're on tour and you're doing a lot of particularly when you you've got a, a record out and you're doing a lot of st- student press and stuff like that or local press and things like that yeah it is exactly that. There's, it's, it's a fine balance at points, and again, it's a balance that that you've got and 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 can now. But there, there have genuinely been points where I'm like, I just want him to ask me what I was thinking when I. Do you know what I mean? I, <laughs> I want the question I've answered a million times because yeah. I want to just get this you can over. Go into with. autopilot. Yeah, yeah I just want to go. Yeah, yeah. Bang, 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 bang. Thank you and good night. Yeah, on, on my way because it will be the kind of, or or or, or it'll be an unusual question that's good. But I would have liked an hour to think about. Sure, like, yeah, yeah. Spot, what would you in this situation, or what is your favourite? This, this is. Yeah, man, I could think about this for hours. Yeah, this is great, yeah, yeah. But damn it, yeah. That's why I often think like press interviewers are at an advantage. Yeah. Because with a radio interview or a TV interview, you ask a question and you need a response straight away. Yeah. Whereas if you're doing one of the like I used to read the. NME or the Melody Maker yeah. whatever, and you get the impression okay the journalists are just hanging out with this guy for half a day or three days yeah, yeah. and they're just writing about the best the bits yeah, yeah 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 so you don't need to worry about the sort of awkward lulls or the bits which go wrong so, and so how was it when you actually I mean you've now interviewed a McCartney numerous times yeah how is that now and, and again knowing because you're a huge Beatles fan right? yeah like fanatically hugely knowledgeable yes hugely into him so how is that to then go oh that's yeah that's paul it's funny so i I always get like excited on the day like because it's usually quite short notice with him and then um when he comes in i I don't know what it is but like just sort of we've 
it's like taking the piss out of him a little bit and he yeah. really seems to enjoy it and yeah, then he yeah, sort of yeah. takes the piss back. Right. And I think it's weird to me because like what he probably doesn't know is nobody's more reverent of him. Yeah. And and yet I go in there and I'm sort of cheeky yeah, yeah, with yeah. him. I don't know. That's it's, good. It's, yeah. Again, it's, 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 yeah. it's not what he's... He's, he's going to be used to, I guess. So mm. that's is, and as you said, the key there is finding a way to make the person you're talking to comfortable and relaxed. So it's not that... this uncomfortable answer these questions and the pressure on the answers and all that. It's like let's just have a chat. I also think with him as well, and it's a, it's a weird thing because he's Paul McCartney, but I can yeah. I can feel like. Um... I want to present him in a certain light because I think there are people of maybe our, our age or younger or whatever mm. that can sometimes put him in the same box as Cliff Richards. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And I think, like, on one hand, it's great that he just doesn't care about being cool in a certain way. Yeah, yeah. You know, he's just he's just this nice guy. He's funny in a way he doesn't give a shit. Yeah. But then he's done all this amazing stuff yeah. and the kind of avant-garde stuff that people assume was down to Lennon yeah. was often so much more driven by him. Yeah, yeah. So I, I can feel like a responsibility, yeah. um, which... You know, he doesn't need my help. It's Paul McCartney. He doesn't it's, need my help on some podunk radio station. Yeah, but. It's, it's that classic, a weird thing, though, isn't it, of the um, the preservation of death um, in, in that you've got, like, a, a Lennon is preserved there as the yeah. iconic, cool one as yes. such. Whereas Paul has grown up become, has you know, has become a father, has become this. And, and, yeah. and, and, and do you know what I mean? He... he, he it's similar, like everyone always says, Clapton and Hendrix as great examples. Right. Like they were equally iconic and wild and unique and revolutionary. Yeah. Clapton, you now kind of think of as, oh, it's Clapton and Hendrix, yeah. preserved as this iconic Although with Clapton, mythical it's, creature. It's kind of the um, Enoch Powell send them back racist rant that he did on stage right, in yeah. Birmingham in yeah. the 70s. I think that, yeah, that could, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's that poison the well of yeah. um, So... And let's rewind all the way back. Mm. Growing up, was music a massive part of your life um, at school, in your teens? Yeah, I mean, sort of yes and no. Um, so I don't think I had any idea about sort of coolness of music or even yeah. being exposed to what we might think of as good music until yeah. I started working in radio. Yeah. Um, but I always, like, I, when I was a kid, like, I'd, learn, I'd take piano lessons and yeah. I'd always have, like, synthesizers. And, you know, I was all, always into that. But I think I just, you know, whatever was on the radio, yeah. by that, I mean, yeah. Radio 1, you know, whatever was on daytime Radio yeah. 1 was the music I heard. I it's a weird one because people, people who at any point are into music struggle to get their head around the fact that not everyone was born, you know, straight away had this huge r relationship with yeah. hunting out the coolest songs or whatever else. If, if, if you've l l l lived that, you can't imagine it any other way, but yeah. if you haven't, for a lot of people, music is a lovely thing in the background. Yeah, or... I, I wish I had, because, you know, I feel so jealous of people who say, yeah, the first single I bought was The Clash or, or whatever yeah, it yeah, is, because yeah. it wasn't like that for me. My dad had this one, we never really had albums, my dad had this one box of singles yeah. and, you know, my dad's this sort of gruff northern guy and yeah. uh, uh, bloody Beatles, I didn't care about them. I was into Elvis, you know, he's a yeah, bit like yeah. that. Um, he says, yeah, well, you know, the thing about me is uh, you know, I can always spot a number one, So, which suggests that he's got some kind of good taste in music. Yeah. Then you have this box of singles and it was all over the place. It'd yeah. be like <laughs> Elton John, Goodbye Yellow Brick Road or something good like that. Then like a horrible song um, about a man 
who gets married and then him and his wife plant a tree and then his wife gets sick and then she yeah. ends up dying and he's singing, <laughs> Honey, I Miss You. Yeah. And Peter Sarstead, Where Do You Go To, My Lovely? Cause, you know, I like a song that tells a story, me. I mean, that's something my dad would say. <laughs> so we, like, I'd always be listening to records and I'd be wanting to like slow them down and write the words down. Yeah. But I didn't have an old older brother and I don't feel like I had older cousins who had... Mm. I had lots of cousins, but I don't think there was that person who had good I taste had in music. A music taste, so, yeah. so I, you know, I, I like stuff I heard on the radio. And then I was when I was fourteen, you know, I'd hear things like Aztec Camera on the radio that I'd really like, and Human League, and and bands like that. And then I started doing I mean, a bit all over the place here, but I started doing mobile discos right. at about the time that Manchester became a thing. Right. Yeah. So, like, I'd be 16 and doing these awful mobile discos um, in Macclesfield Rugby Club. And primarily, they'd be people's, um, like, 40th birthday or wedding yeah, anniversary. Yeah. So, it'd be all, like, the Birdie song and yeah, um, yeah, Agadoo yeah, yeah, and all yeah, yeah. that stuff. And then uh, I used to do these Friday nights for the rugby team to fundraisers. And it became a big underage drinking spot. So, people would come in with the hooded tops and it'd all be about Happy Mondays and in spiral carpets yeah, and stone yeah. roses and the Smiths. So I think I first started hearing that stuff then and then I worked in a record shop a bit when I was 16, 17, 18 and the guys there were into pretty good music. But really, I started I working in... in a record shop can be, particularly in, yeah. of, of, of that age and that era, it's hugely influential yeah, because... Yeah, absolutely. It was pre... pre finding anything and everything on the internet. Yeah. It was when, you know, unless someone, as you said... You didn't have an older brother or any cousins, unless someone sh- 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 showed you this stuff. Yeah, there was almost no way to find it. Like you couldn't just stumble no, upon it. No, and and you know, I never found John Peel, which I yeah. always feel sad about. Like, yeah. like I think I would have been one of those kids if I'd have found John Peel. It would have yeah. really yeah, 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 clicked yeah. with Clicked. me. Um, so I started working in radio in South Manchester when I was seventeen, and. Um, what that radio station was, it was called KFM, but it quickly got sold to a local radio company called Signal Radio. But it was like whatever Six Music is now. Right. It was like a very small, low budget of that yeah. just for South Manchester. So what was, what kind of drew you there? Or was it from you were playing, you, are you a DJ now? And no. then you kind of, you're drawn there. Because it, again, it's just interesting that you've, I mean, from speaking to you before, it would feel to me that until you started doing radio, you wouldn't expect that you would be comfortable doing radio. Right, so it was sort of... You know what I mean? Yeah, it was asked about tip for me, really, because, you know, I'm, I was this sort of geeky kid. Mm. Like, so I, I grew up in, like, a regular working-class family. My dad's a postman, my mum's a nurse. And from being a small kid, I was really into books or things that just... Like, even Star Wars, like, now, I feel like every fucker of my generation talks about yeah. how much a big thing Star Wars when yeah. they were a kid. I'm the exact age, 1973, so I was obsessed by it. Yeah. But I was thought of as a bit of a weirdo because of how much I liked Star Wars. Because, yeah. like, just everyone was into football or whatever they're into. So it's, I'd be into... It's, it's the beauty of the of, of the retrospective appreciation of geekiness. Yeah, 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 yeah like, absolutely. I, I was a right geek. Yeah. Well, yeah. No, no, because I, well, I lived yeah. through that and I yeah. suffered it and people weren't geeks. I've, I've seen numerous people... Get, get angry on Instagram because there will be beautiful women and beautiful men who are like, I'm such a geek. Yeah, and be, yeah. You'll have a t-shirt on but you'll be yeah. rippling with muscles. Yeah. Or, or, you see it or, all the time. Like, this is like, that's not what I no, remember being Hollywood a geek Hollywood stars like. and stuff. So, oh, I'm such a geek. You weren't no. in the games workshop with me, with me and Chris. 
<laughs> that was me in my mind. So, so the reason I mentioned that is, is <laughs> as like this really bookish kid, and it was such a novelty in my family. You know, like so it wasn't in any way discouraged. Yeah. But the attitude would be, oh, look at him with his book. Like I was right. some kind yeah, of curiosity. Yeah, 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 yeah. So it's like this this weird geeky kid, and um, when I was eleven. Like the, the teachers at my primary school have been saying, oh, look, you know, we think we could get him onto a scholarship for the mm. um, the local independent school, this school called King's School in Macclesfield. Right. So my parents, and it was a difficult thing for them, really, because my dad is sort of died in the wall, old-fashioned labour, trade union guy. Right, yeah, you know, yeah, my yeah. mum's a bit like that, too. Yeah, but the teachers were saying, look, he's going to have a, a better chance if he goes to the yeah, school. Saying, you're off, off with your... Your book learning, yeah, yeah. Well, it was like that because they'd never see, you know, they'd never. (laughs) It was an unusual thing. So, so they, you know, they put me through this entrance exam, and I got this scholarship or whatever to this school, and I went there, and it was fucking awful. Right, I just didn't fit in at all. Yeah, and you know, I'd gone from not feeling like I fitted in anyway to thinking, okay, well, I want to go there because people maybe are into books and stuff. I won't fit in, but it was like, I don't know if maybe like I'm, I'm altering the memories a little bit but right. it feels a little bit like everyone was so posh and like people's dads would come and pick them up in these posh cars and, yeah. and my dad would be in the post office van yeah and yeah, yeah, yeah. you know and and i'd have to lie in the back with the post yeah in case yeah. his boss saw him because yeah. he shouldn't right. be ferrying his right. kid around yeah, yeah, yeah. and i felt like i got really bullied and it was un- this unhappy time so they took me out of that school yeah. and put me back into the local comp where i would have would have been anyway yeah and then, and then I got bullied there. there. I was going to say, because you're the like, kid from the posh yeah, school. exactly, exactly so, no, that I, thing. I, I wasn't, I yeah. was the common kid at yeah, the posh school. Yeah, now. yeah, So, <laughs> So all of this is to say, like, I was kind of like this weird bookish kid. And then aged 14 or something like that, all of a sudden I decided I was going to have this big personality. Right. Which, like, I... I this is stuff that I'm still unpicking in therapy, yeah. Pip, you know, I yeah, don't know what's yeah, going yeah, yeah. on. But I decided I was going to have this big personality. So, you know, all of a sudden I'd be like wearing colourful clothes, I'd be larger than life. And and I decided that I wanted to be a TV presenter because I used to watch like Jonathan Ross doing The Last Resort or mm-hmm. whatever shows yeah, were on yeah, back yeah. then. So I'd go to the careers teacher and say, what do you want to do? So I want to be a, a TV presenter and, you know, not interested in yeah, that. Yeah. And they said, well, maybe I'd like to do something with music so still playing piano. And then they give you a leaflet about like joining the army so you could be in the <laughs> yeah, military yeah, band yeah, or yeah. whatever. Um, so I'd buy all, like, look in yeah. the, the magazines for teenagers yeah. and I'd read the interviews with the TV presenters in the back and it would say, so how, how did you get started in TV? Mm-hmm. And they would have all been on the radio. Yeah. So I thought, oh, yeah. well, I need to go on the radio first. So, th- well, so then how do you go on the radio? And... Um, Back then it was hospital radio because there's no internet radio or podcasts or anything. So I went and volunteered at my local hospital radio in Macclesfield. And just from going in a radio studio the first time, I just loved it. It felt magical to me. I can can smell it now. I can still smell what um, the the, the bays they used to soundproof the walls and the tables was like and the the smell of the old record library and stuff. And, And that was when I started getting into it so but yeah. so then i thought okay i need to listen to loads of radio and there was a, a station in manchester called piccadilly radio yeah so i listened to that and then i wrote them a letter and asked if i could go in and answer the phones and they let me so i used to go there every night when i was 15 16 i'd get the train after school um 
to Manchester. It's like 18 minutes on the on the yeah. train into the city centre. And I'd go in and answer the phones and just being, I just was obsessed with being around radio stations and radio. So so it came from, so, and and then to earn money from that, I thought, well, what, what do people who are on the radio do? Oh, they do disco. So that's right, why yeah. I started DJing. Yeah. Did that experience in the radio change your your demeanour and general personality at school? Because again, it feels and not to over dramatise it, but it's, it feels like you were in one school, you felt out of place. You went to another school and felt out of place. You went back and felt out of place, and finally you found somewhere that yeah. you felt at home and felt in place. And if that's at the same time and you were still at school, yeah. did that kind of give you more confidence in general? Because now it's like I know who I am now. I'm I'm Jeff. That that does the radio yeah, stuff. Yeah, a, li- a little I, bit, I work actually. at the radio and I do this, and that's kind of a cool thing now, maybe. That yeah, might I mean, be I don't my, think anybody that thought... That might be my thing. Yeah, that, that, I don't think anyone thought it was cool, but I just was, yeah. like, really obsessed with it. And and yeah. I would got I then went from being this kid who was always sort of at the top or near the top of the class with exams, so I just wasn't interested anymore yeah, because, yeah. you know, I'd asked around and it seemed to me at that point, and I wouldn't advise it now, that, like, nobody was bothered whether you got GCSEs or not if you wanted to work in yeah. radio. So I just stopped working and I got, like, Again, terrible I mean, GCSEs and I was bunking off school all the time to go and sit in the in the radio studios and just play yeah. with the equipment. I mean, that's going to be a fault there as well of, of the old style of careers advisor. Yeah. Because the fact is, if you've said, I want to do this, this and this, and they've gone, no. Yeah. It's like, Right, well, you're advising me what I can do with the courses I'm doing at the moment and qualifications. So yeah. if you're telling me I can't, they can't help me get to radio, then... Yeah, I wasn't, yeah, it, wasn't, <laughs> it didn't stop <laughs> working. And, you know, it really caused, my, it caused a lot of friction with my parents because, yeah. you know, they got this kid who they thought... Oh, you were meant to be the clever one. Yeah, <laughs> and all of a sudden, you know, I w- they were going for parents' evenings and I found out I'd not been doing any work. I used to doctor my own school reports. It's, 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 it's such a weird... Um, a repeated story of, of, of conflicting situations in that, as said, you went to the posh school when you yeah. fell outcast, then you come back. In your family, you were the, the bright one. You know, if, if, if you hadn't been the bright one, then I'm sure the, the, the GCSE's results you got on that would have been absolutely expected. As you yeah, said, if, yeah. you, if you didn't come from a family that was particularly studied or, or, or bookish, then, you know, yeah. but because you'd set that tone, then as soon as you go back to, oh, no, I'm not, Just, yeah. I'm not the bookworm type. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. What do you mean? <laughs> so, well, none of us are. Why? why? Yeah. <laughs> the precious are already and it's, there. it's funny looking back, because, like, if, <laughs> if, like, I think I did it such a stupid way, really, but I right. didn't know any better, because, you know, how it, it so, so now I see kids coming on work experience, and they're from you know, wealthy families where they, you know, they live in London, just the fact that they live in or near London and they can come into radio stations and do internships, you know, that helps and there's these paths and people know people. But, like, the, the, the difference from, like, at the time, like, it all makes sense now, but the difference at the time from going from my background to just being on the local radio in Manchester, it, it felt like this huge chasm, like, like, there was no way across it. Yeah. Because, I didn't know anybody, like, everybody I knew had, like, left school at 16 and then their dad knew somebody who needed somebody to do a bit of work and, you know... It's it's the thing that kills me the most about, I guess it's the idea of common sense or or the assumed, and it's exactly that, it's like, well... I could never work on radio. Yeah. Because as you said, it's this big chasm, it's something that's so far, but until you just went and did. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Until you, you look into it and find out. So before we get get back on that track, you mentioned obviously our radio has intern and that interns and that now. Yeah. How do people go about it now? If if someone is listening to this thinking, man, this sounds like the kind of thing I'd I'd want to do, is it just 
email radio stations, hit people up. Yeah. Hit people so, on Twitter, on email, on or wherever you can. I think it's simultaneously easier and harder now. Yeah. So if I wanted to do a radio show back then, yeah. I had to either, I had to find somebody who would let me go and do it if it was hospital radio or somebody yeah. who'd let me go and do a film review on Piccadilly Radio or, or get onto the local radio. Whereas now, if you've got a phone or a laptop like everybody has, you've got GarageBand on it, yeah. you can do what you do. Yeah. And yeah. I actually think most... I think like most of what I like in radio, what I do in radio, yeah. is going to be replaced by what you're doing. Right, sure. So I think the stuff the BBC does particularly mm-hmm. um, is 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 safe. I think we're so lucky to have the BBC in this yeah. country yeah, and um, to have a radio station like, say, for example, Six Music, which doesn't follow any of the commercial conventions and yeah. people are allowed to be passionate about music and so on and so forth. Um, we're so lucky... To, to have that but in terms of commercial radio you almost have to divorce your interest in music from yeah. wanting to be on the radio and it's de- depressing yeah so you know if you want to cu- i hate the word curate but if you want to create music you can build a spotify list and you can you can put it on um you can share it on social media yeah. or you can start your own club night yeah or whatever or you it's, can maybe do an internet, like do a mixed cloud or an internet thing. So you can get that out that way. It's and really if you feel like you've conflict, got conflict, isn't it? Yeah. The, the 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 fact that being passionate about music could work against you. Oh, I think it absolutely does in bigger, commercial radio. In I commercial think it radio abs- and the bigger areas. Yeah. It was, I've, I've I've told this this story a few times, but I always remember I did um, a review show on 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 Radio One. And we had to review singles of the week. And mm. there was me and a guy, I think, who worked at Rock Sound. And we both hated everything. Um, and there was Greg J- uh, James. And the beauty was, he genuinely loved all of the poppier stuff. And right. it, it made me have a different appreciation of him on the radio. Yeah. Because I was like, all right, this is absolutely fine. Because it kills me when you deep down know that this person is playing a song that they hate. Yeah. And saying, here's the new single. But, that's, that's but it's like, well, no, that's fine. Because that's... J- 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 Genuinely, and and speaking to him even off air, he's like, "Yeah, I've been listening to that. It's my song. Of the, I love it. Well, I can't get great. off it. It's like that's that's, that's beautiful. Great, I, I think love that's that. quite rare because yeah, so, you know, completely. I feel." And I don't know if it's a difference between BBC and commercial radio, but I feel that people are just told, you know, you've got to sell the music, you've got to be really enthusiastic yeah. about it. And I can't, I can't do it. Yeah. And then I hear people, and they're being enthusiastic about everything, and I just think, oh, you don't like anything. You don't like any. We don't yeah. know you. We yeah, can't yeah, be trusted. Yeah, yeah. You're like a like yeah. an oily salesman. It's it's it's, it's, it's the bad um, r- reputations or impression that people would get of Eddie Temple Morris and Zane Lowe. Because right. they're so enthusiastic, but they were on shows where they could curate yeah. their own music. So yeah. it, you're not realising, but that's the reason they sound so enthusiastic. Yeah. Because it's like, oh no, these are songs I really love. Yeah, this and is I the love best it when you get to, I, like, They used good. to let me do a Sunday night show where I play stuff like The Velvet Underground and yeah. The Smiths and yeah. Bell and Sebastian and stuff. And I loved doing that show. You know, yeah. it was it was just great being able to do a show where I'm enthusiastic about the music. But I, I think, like, you, you either going to be one of those guys or. Um, uh, girls, guys or gals, it's very DJ-ish, <laughs> yeah. isn't it? Who, um, you know, can go on and just be cheery and enthusiastic about the music. Or you do a sort of show where, you know, it's about talking to people or telling stories yeah. or getting stories from the listeners. And, and so I see my job, my day job, as that that thing, really. Completely. And I have to kind I of forget about 80% of the music that I'm and playing. And again, it's, 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 it's where it, it works so well. And it's... I think that's the key to getting an audience and, and maintaining an audience and, and, and a fan base in that respect because 
the fact is, all these songs are the same songs that are being played everywhere. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? The, the, there is a certain rotation that on certain... Yeah. So, it, w- w- what will make your show stand out is the difference in between the songs. And yeah. again, there the, the sounds... I, I like We're Hating Our Songs. I think Absolute has got some amazing songs on the playlist. Oh, I yeah. Think like, every day I'm playing some David Bowie. Every yeah, day I'm, yeah. you know, I get to play again, it's, Beatles, so it's Sex not that. Pistols. It's yeah. not saying, oh, yeah, it's yeah, all yeah. this horrible stuff. But yeah. in general, what will make your show stand out is what's in between them. Because the fact is, those songs, and even even more so, the, the, the way the internet and the world is now, you don't need to to tune into your show anymore to listen to them songs. No. You, you, whereas when we were younger, you would have to tune yeah. into the radio to hear these songs. Yeah. You can find them anywhere you want now. You can go and listen to them of your own accord. You can listen to them 20 times in a row and never pay pay once for them kind of thing. Yeah. You know? so and, and this is kind of a point about thing. people who want to get started in radio. So if like what you really want to do is share music, yeah. you've got all these ways of sharing music yeah. now which don't involve being on the radio. Blogs, and if you want to do... If what you want to do is talk... Yeah. And all that kind of thing. And if what you want to do is sort of tell stories and... Um, you know, talk to people, like, do do what you do, do a yeah, podcast. podcast yeah. Like, it's it's so liberating in a way that you don't need to go begging to a radio station yeah, anymore. Yeah, the, the trouble is it is, um, you know, like anything, how, how do you... It's finding the platform yeah, finding yeah, that initial... Yeah, how, how do you cut through? How do you cut yeah. through and I suppose ultimately, you know, you want to make a living out of it. How do, yeah, how do you yeah. do that? Yeah. But that's what I would do. You know, even now, I, I think to myself... I do I want to be on the radio that much longer or like I listen to what you do I think it's so good and and the way you've built this little empire and the way you've got all the, the little spin-off things going yeah, and the shows the and, the, and so on, the on I think like if if I thought I could get the audience yeah yeah quickly I'd, I'd do that instead of or, being on the radio or, maybe or, or my th- thought though is there is a a one answer to, to, to this question that we've tried to do I would say you if you can do if you want to do a podcast or a blog it's not going to hurt as well if you can get some time interning at a radio station or yeah. like this or that because again you could then find that oh i can actually uh, that th- there's actually room for me as as you said to come on every friday and review yeah. a film and then i can kind of write well then yeah. i've started to get this audience and fan base and it can be a little nod to oh i've got a full film podcast yeah. over here yeah. every week but each, and you know this, i mean and i this, think there's, this, there's loads of ways and getting around people as well i think that's key it's the podcasting world is great but also it could be it could end up just restricting yourself because you don't need anyone else you might never meet anyone. Do you know yeah. what I mean? You might never ever sure. meet anyone else that, that, that can then help you or take you And there's you a on. value in learning the nuts and bolts of it as yeah. well. So, yeah. you know, you, you don't want to sound like an old-style radio announcer, but yeah. actually yeah. There, are, there are things you can learn about, you know, as simple as what you were saying before about mic technique, but, yeah. you know, how, how to speak to people, yeah. the shape and arc of a, yeah. a show or a story or whatever. There's, there's, there's value in that. And yeah. people who've, you know, there's some great people on radio. And as I keep saying, you know... Um, we're lucky in this country to have BBC Radio. There's yeah, so much to learn from from listening to that. Completely. So, so let's go back onto your a journey here from starting out and getting internships and getting some time on 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 small radio stations in Manchester to suddenly finding yourself in in the big smoke. And and was that always because again, it's changed in recent years. But there was a point where for radio and TV, you. you you're aiming at London. Well, I wasn't at all, you know, like, so, like I say, so then when I found out to get on telly, you had to go on the radio, and then I got into the radio. All I wanted to be was on Piccadilly Radio in yeah, Manchester. Brilliant. I just, like, it, I just 
loved it. It felt, you know, it used to come from this um, building right in the middle of the city in uh, in Piccadilly Gardens, and there was a huge tower with all these transmitters and aerials yeah. and satellite dishes on top. And it felt like it's like beaming out over the whole city. And I used yeah. to listen to a guy called James H. Reeve, who was the late night guy. Right. I suppose a bit like what somebody like Ian Lee is doing now. It was a yeah. talk show, a phone-in show, but he wasn't like so often you'll hear on LBC or talks, but it wasn't one of these kind of string them up, send them back, anti-immigrant yeah, 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 guys. Yeah, yeah, a guy yeah. called James H. Reeve, and he was very liberal in his way. He was very slow and sardonic, and he would tell these long stories from life, which, you know, if you heard a, a stand-up... An, an if, you, if you heard a stand-up saying them on stage, yeah. you'd say it was a masterclass in observational yeah, yeah, comedy. Yeah, 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 but yeah. it wasn't. It was just a guy telling just stories on the radio. Around, yeah. And, like, people would be writing in and people would be phoning in. And when I listened to that show, it felt like you're a member of a club. Mm. So, like, I was out in my bedroom in Macclesfield and, and like I say, I always felt like a bit of um, a square peg or whatever. Yeah. But then you got the idea all over the region and all around the city, there are these people listening and thinking the same things and there's all these in-jokes. In and, yeah. and so I just thought I'd really love to do a show yeah, that's yeah. like that, really. So I went from there to this radio station, which I meant, which is like a very local version of Six Music, KFM in Stockport. And amazing people were on it. Like John Ronson, uh, was he started off there and he was just kind of leaving as I was getting yeah, there, kind of yeah. answering the phone. So I remember John being this sort of cool guy who'd drift in and out with his roll-up cigarettes and Terry Christian used to do a show on there. Yeah. Um, but the one for me was Craig Cash, who, you know, went on to co-create and star in the royal family and yeah, early doors so i ended up on there and and craig really took me under his wing fantastic and craig used to do the show at night and he's come on at 10 o'clock and firstly i mean he's just so funny he's such a great storyteller he's got such a great way of yeah. looking at things secondly he didn't sound like um david lee travis or simon bates no, or one of those yeah, guys on the radio yeah, yeah. so that that was great that's somebody who just sounded nor like an ordinary person was yeah. on the radio and thirdly the music and this is when i got into music like he'd play the pixies followed by frank sinatra and a, yeah. you know like a pavement song then yeah. johnny cash and all this stuff now if you listen to six music you think oh yeah well we've got a radio station that sounds like that but nobody was doing it no, like no, nothing no, no, it definitely. sounded like nothing and um just from so craig ended up being a mentor to me that's fantastic but also being like my john peel so, so i would finish and i'd go he, home and listen started to or done yeah. stuff in radio because obviously all the tv stuff and then he recently yeah. rovers i thought was fantastic yeah, and yeah, i think yeah. he was behind or involved in in after hours which i thought was another really that's right with john that and molly yeah. yeah 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 and he's he's you know he's, he's one of these people who would hate it if I said it anything in any way gushing yeah, 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 about yeah, yeah, him. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Bloody hell, Lloyd, you've embarrassed yourself again. <laughs> um, but, you know, he's, he's just such a brilliant, decent, yeah. funny, clever man. And in, in some ways, I feel like everything I've done since, I've just been trying to do what Craig told me to do. You yeah, know? yeah. It's awesome to, to have something like that early on as kind of... Man, and, 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 you know, and, and then I got fired. Like. So Craig got fired off the radio, I think, in mid-94 in right. the radio station in Stockport. And then I got fired at the end of 94. Oh, what did you get uh, fired for? What was the... Uh, I had a... Um, trying, trying to avoid it. Well, no, I'll, I'll tell you. <laughs> like, I had, a full, I had a mental breakdown. Right. So I'm now 43 mm -hmm. and kind of like I've had 
stuff going on with mental health. Yeah. You know, including my alcoholism. Yeah. Um, for a long time, but it sort of started when I was 21. Right. Or, the, you know, the big episode when I was 21. And I went a bit nuts and vanished and right. chunked to Paris and, like, got sort of strange delusions and yeah. um, so on and got back. You know, I was supposed to be... I'd, I'd been out, it's... It's a difficult story to tell, not because it's difficult emotionally, but yeah. just it, it doesn't have a good arc particularly. Right. But, um, you know, I I'd, I'd started to hit the drink like people do, sort of 19, 20, 21. Yeah. But then, you know, as I now know, I'm, I'm quite predisposed to darkness or depression or whatever. Right, yeah. And it's just a terrible mix for people, yeah. people like yeah, me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So... Um, so it's sort of spiralling a little bit with the drinking. Um, and Particularly things- at a time and, a, again, a situation with Manchester and whatever else, when it'd be very encouraged and very... Well, this is this is 94 enabled. and it's like when kind of like Oasis are coming yeah, along yeah. and it, like, it feels like post-Manchester, the city's yeah. rising again. And, and even though I wouldn't put an Oasis record on these days, at the time it felt very yeah. exciting. Hugely. Um, so I'd be going out to all these gigs and things weren't going great at the radio station in terms of how they treated me. And, yeah. um, you know, I used to get paid... £20 for a weekend show and £25 for a weekday show. Yeah. And, like, all the other guys were on £50 or £60 a show. And and I remember Craig going mad at this because um, like I was getting paid so little compared to everyone else. Yeah, and, yeah. like, him going in and, like, yelling at the boss in the open plan office in front of everyone going, yeah, but, you know, Jeff's younger. And Craig's going, yeah, but fucking Ryan Giggs is younger than the rest of the team, but they're not paying him differently. <laughs> you know, so he was, he was always, like, really Brilliant. sticking up for me like that. Yeah. But So, anyway, it's kind of, like, getting into debt and my drinking was going out a bit out of control and you know I don't know why it was this night rather than any other um, but I'd been to see Primal Scream mm-hmm. and you know then went out drinking afterwards and then I was got this craziness really or this delusion in my head that I didn't want to live in Manchester anymore I was going to go and live in Paris mm. and I was going to be a musician right you know so it's a big th- jump to yeah so I so, thought, oh, that, that's what I'll do then. So I, I, you know, drunk, went to Chalton Street bus station in Manchester. Oh, wow. And uh, took a bus down south, I don't even know. Like, and somehow, like, still drunk, ended up in Dover. Wow. And then, like, Damn, so took the fer- ferry as a foot pr- passenger and then sort of hitchhiked to Paris. And, and because I was so drunk, it's, it's difficult to yeah. remember the detail of it. But I remember, like, being in the cab of this huge lorry with a French lorry driver and he's got all these bottles of Stella in a crate oh, wow. in his cab and I'm drinking this... Like, he's driving this huge truck and I'm crazy and drinking this with him. And then he drops me off somewhere and then I get picked up by a guy who, you know with hindsight, looks like it could have been a murderer. He was listening. He drove very slowly on the motorway, didn't go above, say, 30, and he was just listening to Disney songs all the time. Wow, that's dark And it there was something really creepy about it. Yeah. And I ended up in Paris, and I went and slept under a bridge, and and then, you know, at some point over the next day or so, I came to my senses and thought, oh, hang on a minute, so I can't really play a musical instrument. Yeah. I can't speak French. Yeah. Um... I don't have any money. Yeah. I've got nowhere to be. This maybe isn't going this, this, this perhaps wasn't made in a, in a rational frame of mind. So kind of then, you know, ended up like having a bit of a break and calling my parents and they yeah, yeah. they had to somehow buy me a, um, a train ticket to, to Calais and then I came back on the train and I just sort of had a kind of full-on yeah. breakdown, really. Yeah. And... and 
you know, they sent me to the doctor and that was the first time I went on antidepressants and the doctor sent me to the mental hospital, not not as an inpatient on this occasion, yeah. but it was, um, so in Manchester, the, the two kind of mental hospitals, there's Macclesfield Parkside and there's one in Prestwich, you know, yeah. those, these two old, very gothic Victorian mental hospitals where you imagine people locked up in a tower, yeah. a bit one yeah. flew over the cuckoo's yeah. nest dish and I went there and I got diagnosed at that point as bipolar, yeah. which, um, which, you know, then, then they say, do you want to go on lithium? Which was the only thing they had at the time and I didn't yeah. want to go on lithium because Again, was... it'll, it'll, it'll be early days of any understanding of, of, yeah, of, I think of bipolar so. and early I th- days of any yeah. diagnosis. And yeah. Like um, so anyway, the reason I mention all this, so I had a bit of a breakdown and, and so when I got back, I don't know if I called the radio station or my mum called the radio station or whoever it was and said, look, he's, he's, he's not been very well. He's, yeah. um, but, um, and the radio station, oh, don't, don't worry, you know, it's fine. These things happen. We're here for him, tell him to take as right. long as he wants to get right and then, uh, then he can come back anytime he likes. So, you know, a month passed or whatever it was, or yeah. three weeks. And, and, you know, I called and said, I'm, I'm ready to come back. And they said, uh, oh, right, yes, um, yeah, that's not going to happen we put somebody else on. Oh, damn. Yeah, because, you know, people didn't, back then... Yeah. It was just scary to people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, the, the friend I had who I'd been out to see Primal Scream with, um, you know, everyone was worried about me because I should yeah. have turned up for a radio show and I didn't turn up and the work experience yeah. kids yeah, yeah, ended yeah, yeah. up doing it and it was a, it was a mess. But... Um, but, you know, back then, like, some of my friends, like, you know, Craig was so great with me. He'd come round or he'd ring and... Um, I find I find it difficult to talk about it in a way because yeah. you know I don't want to. Sure. I don't want to show emotion particularly about it, no. but create, but but then other people because it was so weird and mental health wasn't yeah. talked about back then. Some people just couldn't handle it. So this one friend who I think Absolutely. I've been seeing, you know, wouldn't return my phone calls anymore, and all of a sudden, you know, I'm 21. And I'm living back in my bedroom at my parents' mm. house and I've been fired off the radio. And I've had this breakdown. I, mean, I was going to say, that's a huge amount to deal with regardless yeah. of everything else that's just happened or, yeah. or, or mental state to go, all right, I'm back at square one. Yeah, so, so, so I'm so just in, in, this, in this depression. And, um, and then Craig and, and Carolina Hearn, they, um, they're always so great to me. And yeah. they, they made a job for me right. on the Mrs. Merton show. Oh, amazing. So they didn't, you know, the show was in production already and they didn't need anybody else, but they, they kind of badgered the producer into, um, into giving me this job. And the job really was, during the show, making sure that Caroline was just drunk enough but not too drunk. <laughs> so they used to record at the BBC in Manchester on, um, on Oxford Road. And the drunk was, monitor. Yeah, it was. And, and Caroline at the time... Like her drink was Asti Spumante, mm. you know, like the sort of the cheap nasty. Right. She yeah. loved Asti Spumante, so my job really was going and making sure that Carolina got Benson and Hedges and Asti Spumante. Brilliant, um, but it, it was great, and you know they they just looked looked out for me. You see what's what's great and interesting there. Um, it was recently uh, a Mental Health Awareness Day, yes, um, and there was a lot of posts online and. Obviously, we talk a lot about mental health on the podcast. There's a whole chapter of it in, in, in the book. And it was an interesting one. I read a lot of amazing posts, but I chose not to do any, um, simply because I think we're at a point now where 
a day like that is hugely important and raising awareness, but it should mm. also be an everyday thing. And particularly back then, it wouldn't have been at no. all. But I think we're getting more and more to the point where we should be able to discuss and have yeah. open conversations about these things any day, every day, regularly. And that that's not to downplay the importance of Mental Health Awareness Day because it's hugely important and it is about a reaching out, giving people a set time to be able to feel comfortable to share their story, giving people who still are in that place where they just are scared to hear about that, you know, kind of forcing it in their face. But equally, as said, yeah, it's that it's that thing I thought about it and thought, no, I'd rather continue to discuss it regularly than feel I've done my bit. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? In, yeah, I do, on, on I do. And it's a, it's a funny one because it feels so... If you're a certain type of person, I think it feels really normalised. Yeah. And yet, as I say that, I think I've got... I've got some of my closest friends, people who were at my wedding, who I've probably never said the word bipolar to with relation to myself. Now, I don't... I've I've had various assessments over the years, some of which agree with that, some of of which don't. But the the point being that even though I consider myself a sort of modern, liberal, Mm -hmm. open person, it's, it's not that you can't talk about these things. It's that you think, oh God, people are going to think it's boring yeah. Or, yeah. or like people Completely. are going to think, how not sure if I want to go but for a cup of tea with Jeff because he's going to whine on about the, his anxiety. The, the way I was thinking about it was it was, was similar to, I remember when there was, um, the BBC did a, a poetry week thing and every night of the week on BBC Two there was, was staff on poetry and they talked to me about a load of different ideas and we never ended up doing any. But then about a month later, I had another idea and I hit one of them up. And they were like, oh, no, no, we've done Poetry Week. Right, like, yes. Oh, right. So, that, yeah. so Poetry Week is saying, here's the only time we're going to yeah. address... Do you know what I mean? It was, yeah, I do, it, I it, do. It, it was that kind of thing. It was a weird one. But the, the other thing I wanted to touch upon that story, which I think is really important for, for people to hear, I talk a lot about how important it is to be open to getting help, to go in oh, to yeah. doctors and so on and so forth. Yeah. But it is such a unique and specific thing to each individual person. And the key part in that story for me was you you went and got help you spoke to doctors granted it's when they were a little bit less understanding things but what it seemed to actually take was some friends helping out yeah do you know what i mean it, it, it yeah. wasn't necessarily the doctor's diagnosis or the medication or anything else it was craig and caroline going look, look come and do this do you yes. know what i mean so, some friends actually reaching out and going to something that it wasn't the biggest or hardest thing for them to do it no. was very much within their capabilities, yeah. but was life changing at the time to you, I'd imagine, or meant the it world was, to you at I, the time. And I think, like, weirdly, it's weird how small a thing yeah. can be to someone. And, and be in, a, a massive in a way, it comes you know? out of not no. You know, if you don't know how to talk about something like that, yeah, you think, what can I do? Yeah, yeah. And and I think like talking is the thing. Yeah, but actually if you pitch it just right, some some practical things or, yeah. you know, thinking, okay, yeah. what can I do in this person's day yeah. that is going to give them structure or distraction as, as, well, as, as well as support? And it's a combination because it's distraction or whatever else, but, but it's also, well, you know, not that we can, can keep an eye on them, but we can be, can be around if yeah. they do want to yeah. talk. Even if you're not comfortable approaching them to say, do you want to talk? Yeah. Kind of go, let's let's be around and discuss in general. So if they want to, to bring anything up, then there's opportunities. Do you know yeah, what I mean? There's, yeah, there's, yeah, there's, yeah. There's a lot of things like that. Yeah. So, yeah, that's a and, and it's, key part there. You know, like with the World Mental Health Day thing, I think the thing that they were going for this year was it trying to normalise talking about it. Yeah, it, yeah. It, um, Which again, I said, I don't, 
I, I don't want any mistake at all that I was speaking against World no. Mental Health Day. I think it was, and again, I saw so, so many amazing stories shared and really inspirational stuff. So, and yeah, it's, so. it's funny, Lou, you, you even give a little bit of that and um, the, 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 the catharsis that comes after it for people. So a few years ago, when Robin Williams died, yeah. um, I, I, I was sort of reading the news stories and I was becoming really perturbed, I suppose, by this idea of, oh, yeah, well, you know, he's this creative genius and with genius comes madness. Yeah. Because I think for most people who have mental health issues or um, who suffer with depression or whatever, it's, it, it's, it's not stars, it's not comedians, it's not writers, yeah. it's just everybody. And there's something about it that perhaps glamorises it in some yeah. way. Yeah. Or, um and uh, it makes it other. And and on the day he died, I thought, I want to talk about this a little bit on the radio. And, and so, like, when I talk on the radio, I feel like I'm quite honest generally, but, you know, I'm honest about my bowel movements yeah, or I'm yeah, yeah, honest yeah, yeah. about how, how uncomfortable an interaction was with a waiter in a cafe or yeah, whatever. Yeah. I kind of don't get into it because I don't want to seem self-serious. Yeah. And, and so I thought, okay, how can I talk about this without being self-serious? And anyway, the short answer is I didn't. I ended up, kind of talking about this thing and I didn't talk about like stuff with my own mental health because I haven't really this is the first yeah. time I, I talked about it but I think it was perhaps apparent to people yeah. where it was coming from yeah. and I don't really, really even remember what I said particularly but the gist was let's not just think this stuff belongs to like incredibly creative geniuses it's everybody it's yeah. you know it's yeah. it's your friend it's a, you know people in the pub or so I just started talking about this and I don't know how long it went for maybe like 15 minutes which is longer than I would usually just yeah. talk as a monologue for and I finished it, turned the microphones off, and I just had this horrible feeling like I'd really embarrass myself. Right. Like, because I'm just, I'm, I'm constantly worried about embarrassing yeah, myself yeah, or humiliating yeah. myself. And I couldn't make eye contact with my producer or Annabelle, oh, my wow. co-host or anybody yeah. like this. I just thought, oh God, why did I do that? And so I just turned the speakers up in the studio and I look at my piece of paper and, and, and then anyway, like then these text messages start coming in and um, tweets and and this goes on for days and i've never you know never had anything like it yeah. and it's all these people who were listening who have have either you know it, it just meant something somebody talking that openly yeah. Yeah. on the radio and again it's one of these things that i don't like talking about now cuz i feel a bit sort of self no, self serious but I, I was in floods of tears and, for yeah. days because people were saying you know i was i was on my way to drive my car off a bridge and i heard this and yeah. you know just this stuff and you know, I, I, I can feel in my job like I'm a real failure a lot of time. I can feel like I haven't accomplished what my friends have accomplished or what I would have liked to have accomplished. And then you have a day like this, and um, I know it sounds horrible and pretentious, but it, you think, oh, God, people people listen, and every now and again it, it means it something means to something. people. Yeah, yeah no, I, I couldn't agree, agree more. And it's, it's interesting what you were saying about how, as I said, it's not just creative genius or, yeah. or this or that when I had Limmy on on, on the podcast uh, one of the best bits he said was he was like w- one of the things that like he feels really lucky that he got an opening in comedy right because he realised that prior to that some of his friends did just think of him as 
the mental guy and right. not in a crazy mental but ge- genuinely yeah he'll say some weird shit yeah he's, a bit, yeah, he's yeah. not all there yeah it's like he then happened to get to turn that into sketches and and do his 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 his, his rants and they're and he's They're so good, like I think he's so good at talking about that stuff yeah, in yeah. a way that feels completely natural. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. yeah. I, I, I'm full of admiration for the way that he, he yeah. would talk about that stuff, and, and it doesn't, you know, I, I don't know. Like I, I can feel sometimes if I'm talking about, it, I seem like if I've got this image of myself as like this kind of bookish, specky <laughs> guy who's a, you know can get a bit carried away with himself or seem a bit pretentious or something. But I hear somebody like Limmy talk about it, and I feel yeah. like. It's so well expressed, but it's 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 because you're hearing it from someone who isn't you, yeah, and that's what you can't get when listening to yourself. As stupid as that sounds, yeah. but the way everyone else is hearing you is the way you're hearing Limit. I don't know. A friend of mine, you know what I mean? A friend of mine said a great thing to me the other day. I went for lunch with a friend. I was moaning about how everything's going or whatever yeah. I'm doing, um, and he, he gave this great analogy about the theatre. Yeah, which is there's two ways into a theatre. You can either go in as a customer, yeah. uh, as a as um, a patron, uh, yeah. and you go in through the front, and it's all geared to your experience, and the experience is lovely. There's uh, you know refreshments there, and lots of kind of lush carpet and and uh, ornate decoration. Then you go to your seat, and it's comfortable, and yeah. you're looking at the stage, and it's very beautiful. And then it starts, and it's so well lit, and you're the, you're the person watching it, and that's yeah. how it seems yeah. to you. Or you can go in the back way, yeah. and you go in the back way, and it's like some grotty old fire escape and there's yeah. graffiti on the wall and people are screaming at each other and you're worried about going out on the stage and something's gone wrong and you've got to cover it up and then you go out there and you and you do it. And that's an amazing experience in, in itself, being out on a stage and experiencing sure. that and experiencing the appreciation. But... Um, but whatever you feel as the one going in through the back door, that's not how the people out front are seeing it. Yeah, and, and he yeah, was telling me completely. this really about my person, about how I'm constantly worrying about what people think of me or how I'm coming across. Yeah, because you're because you're I'm, in I'm, the background, yeah, yeah, seeing everything else, and everyone else is getting yeah. to watch that. But he also, you know, he also said he was talking about it as, um, in terms of creative endeavours as well, in as much as. Um, you know, if you're a creator of something, you know, be it stories on the radio or music like you do or a film or whatever, once you've gone in the back way, you can never see it yeah. the other way again. You look, you know, you'll always see the, see the strings and yeah. for whatever the rewards of that are, yeah. you never get to experience it purely as a fan of that thing yeah, ever again. Completely. It's a, it, it, it's a bizarre one, purely on the little bits of acting I've, I've been doing now of seeing things being shot yes i I think i've been quite good at switching it off again but certainly Mm. the first time i was on set for like a month any i love going to the cinema any film i'd go and see i'd be thinking about everyone that's on the other side of the camera yeah all the people that are here and how how this shot that that followed that directly and is in the same location was shot at a different time because you couldn't have had a camera there because yeah. we were just there. There's, yeah, there wasn't yeah. a camera there. This isn't. This conversation isn't a real. All that it's just. Yeah. Oh, this is horrible. <laughs> it's, it's really. But similarly, again, you can uh, take some of it, it back. It always. A lot of, of of my mates are always surprised that if I'm ever going to see anyone, I know do a gig mm. or do stand up or whatever else. I need to be in the crowd. I don't want to be no. side stage. I don't want to be watching from side stage because that feels like you, you're. Or, or, or number one, it's purely a, a logical thing because all the speakers are set up for the crowd. Yeah, they're not set up for, yeah. the, for the the position. That's like the 
a gig, if you've got a good sound man, they put a lot of effort into making sure that each speaker is just right, each, yeah. each level. If you're watching it from the side of the stage, you're not going to no. get in that correctly. Like this, once, yeah. once, go and see what it looks like. Yeah, oh, but but, yeah, but it's yeah. not, you know, I don't understand when you see, I don't know, XX tabloid celebrity going to a festival and they're always at festivals yeah. and yet they're never they're always watching from the wings yeah. why would you do that okay yeah. I understand it must be awful for some of these people because they get they're hugely famous yeah. wherever else but still but at man. the same time it's no way to see a show yeah. is it no I agree well um, I'll start to, to, to wrap things up as we're almost at the 90 minute marks wow it's a nice long one um, I wanted to kind of just quickly t- there's loads of st- uh, uh, stuff I haven't got round to but that's the sign of a good guest, so it's a good work. Um, despite the fact, at one point, Alika was audibly snoring at our conversation. Yeah, I wonder. So, so other than that, so, I wanted t- to put my mic to it. If you turn your headphones up really loud, I think early the baby was crying downstairs yeah. as well. So. Um, but I want, I one thing you touched upon there with, or when you mentioned a Robin Williams passing, and one thing I find fascinating is you're involved in something that is essentially a never-ending story. Mm. Um, it's not his series one, there's 10 episodes and then it's over. You're in and speaking to people every day. Yes. And it continues on. We're at a time, or not particularly, I mean, every time is a time when there's a lot of stuff going on in the world. How do you kind of choose what you address and what you don't address? Um, I mean, it's it's weird. I liken it to, I get hit up a lot on online about if I'll, 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 I'll do this tweet for this ch- a charity thing. And I'll tr- always try to explain in as clear and polite a way as, as possible. It's it's not good for me to do that because no. if I'm doing a charity post every day, none of them will get any attention. Yeah. You'll, the way we are with social media is you'll breeze over it. If I do one and I've not done any the rest of the year because it's something that means something to me, it will have an effect and it will get, 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 get attention. The fact is, if you're doing a run to raise money for an illness that killed a close friend of yours, posting it to your thousand friends will yeah. mean so much more than me posting it to my hundred thousand people who are into my music but don't necessarily yeah. care about this post. So how do you choose kind of what you address and what you don't address and what what, what comes up? Do you feel, have you ever felt, I should address that but I'm not comfortable or we should talk about this or we shouldn't? A, a little bit, I mean... Because it's a weird one, it's not a news show no. but it is a so, show so, that there's... That does discuss stuff that's going on. There yeah. is so, so the, the Robin Williams stuff. thing is kind of an anomaly because there was a seriousness to yeah, that, yeah. and I think people responded to it because the seriousness is so rare from me that um, it, it stood out. So Again, I'm not. It's an example of yeah. exactly what I say. Yeah, the, it's, yeah, of, exactly. Of the charity thing. It means that if you choose one, if if you were particularly this year, if you were doing a big heartfelt speak of every famous person that died, <laughs> yeah. you'd struggle to do anything yeah, else with, yeah absolutely wherever the year we're having but yeah i guess and, that's... and um it's you know like yesterday we're, we're recording this the day after lily allen was taking all this flack yeah yeah um for for you know speaking out on behalf of the refugees in calais and and I for traveling there to go and yeah, see yeah and be, it's not some tweet that she's no. just casually thrown out and and you know it's really it's depressing the response of people and it can make you quite misanthropic and so on so i was thinking yesterday should i say something about this on the radio and i think well, i've got nothing to add to it so i i see and I, I tend to see more radio than i hear in a certain way james o'brien those little yeah, video clips yeah. and he's so articulate and so great about getting into those things yeah. when in actual fact that's not 
what I do. And if I tried to do that every day, it wouldn't be very good. So in answer to your question, it's usually I'll look through the news or look through my life or look, you know, walk about scribbling things that occurred to me or things that happened to me and think, okay, have I got anything kind of funny to say about this? I've got an angle on this. And it's, it's what makes the cut is like, have a, you know, have I got anything on it? Do you enjoy that? Yeah. Like having that as part of your life. Because yeah. I, I, I remember, again, the times I've been on uh, the newspaper review, yeah. it's been hugely enjoyable to take that moment to look yes. at funny stuff a bit more. Yeah. Right? Whereas, again, particularly when there's times of, 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 of heaviness going on in the UK or America or wherever else, you might not notice all that. You'll be so... All you're seeing on social media is misery and yeah. anger and sadness. But your job is to each day, really find at least a few things that yeah. are quite funny and quite light and quite pleasing about the world. Yeah, That's and it's one a good of those thing, things, right? like, sort of in a way, the more you embarrass yourself, the better it yeah, is as yeah, well. Yeah, like, yeah, so, yeah, yeah I'm trying to think of an example. Like, this is this is a horrible one. But, like, so a few years ago, I was living in this house where the bedroom was on the top floor. Yeah. And the bathroom was two floors down. Right. And I got into the habit, and this is disgusting, of sleeping with a jar next to the bed. Amazing. So that I just urinate into the, like a, yeah, a bedpan yeah, during the yeah. night. And like the, the, the day I started doing that, I thought, I must never speak of this to <laughs> anybody. And then like within a couple of weeks, like, it comes out of it, falls out of my mouth on the radio. Yeah. And then like people are texting, and oh, my husband does that, or I do that, Amazing, or like yeah. I keep a, a, a Starbucks cup in my van that I pee. You know, I know this is kind of. <laughs> base yeah, yeah, no, but, no. but the point being that like um i think i heard the the writers of peep show um sam bain and jesse armstrong say if you've if you've got something that you think you can never say to another human being yeah because it you would make, would make you seem too weird that's the thing that people are going to really connect with 100 because nobody's 100%. That, you know we're, we're all as weird as we're all, we're all walking around pretending we're not as weird as we are, yeah. we think okay, everyone else is normal, so I'm going to have to act normal. Yeah, but um, but everyone's you know everyone's insane under underneath, right? Indeed, they are. That's a perfect <laughs> note to end it on. Thank you very much. So, where can people keep up to date on everything, everything you do and um, your goings on? Yeah, so uh, I'm on Twitter. Um, so you know, you can find me on there. I'm on Absolute Radio. I've been there for 18 years. That's amazing. Do you think? Yeah. I keep thinking like... Because you've been there longer than it's been Absolute Radio, Oh, yeah, but right? I was there, yeah, <laughs> 10 <laughs> so years of Virgin Radio, so eight that's years. All, so that's all, all the more impressive. Oh, you've been on a radio station that's been going eight years. You've been yeah. on it for 18 yeah. years. I keep saying to Annabelle, who I do the show with, like, <laughs> yeah. I, I, we should we should try and learn when it when to leave the party. Like, you don't want to be the person who's at the party too long. And Annabelle said to great. me, I said this to her the other day, and she said, I think maybe we've we should have left the party two or three years ago. No, but again, it still works and it's great. And as 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 you've seen, is 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 one of the shows that I'm always up for coming on and excited to remember because it is fun and it does still it does feel still like you're all enjoying it. Yeah, and everyone's having a good time. It, it doesn't feel like. It's another episode to fill. Oh, what we're going to do today? It's I like, know, but I look at you, and here you are. You're, you're living the life. You're going around with your tape recorder. I think maybe this is this, this is the way to do it. I, I mean, I'm, if 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 you're ever thinking of going that route, I, I know a guy. I can, I can right. give you some tips. I can right. give you some advice. <laughs> now, is yeah. this the bit where you play your xylophone now? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. It, is, it is. Well, thank you very much, Jeff. Cheers. Scrubbish Pits, Discretion Pieces.
There we go. How lovely is Jeff? And man, that got that got beautifully heavy. He's so uh, his openness and honesty was absolutely uh, wonderful. And it's weird because because we've had a few different episodes where we get onto some heavy topics and there's some huge openness. It's easy to start taking that for granted, and we shouldn't. Like we shouldn't take that for granted at all. It means the world that he felt comfortable enough to talk about a lot of this stuff for the first time, you know. Yeah, it meant the world he, f- he felt comfortable and brave enough to discuss this. And it means it's a great step towards more people feeling comfortable to, to discuss if they're struggling or if they're having a rough time or if things aren't quite right. So, yeah, huge love to Jeff Lloyd. Um, make sure you let him know that you enjoyed this episode because it was amazing yeah and i think he's great and i highly recommend his his show i think he's one of the most naturally engaging and warm and interesting people on radio at the moment so check that out speaking of naturally engaging and warm and interesting people on the radio next week's guest is ian lee you don't want to miss that one believe me thank you very much for tuning in i will see you next week this has been the distraction pieces podcast my name is scroobius pip ta-ta